mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome back to the LM Experience. Uh, it's with myself, Stuart Gregory, and also Mr. Martin Stewart. Mr. Martin, Lord Martin Stewart from now on, please, if you don't mind. Okay. I've, gone, I've gone up a level in my own head anyway. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, very good. Thank good, you. Good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, we, this is this is episode two of what could be four and a half thousand podcasts. Um, so let's just crack on straight away. Um, what I thought would be quite interesting to talk about today, Stu, is just you know just the industry as a whole, rather than I think last time we talked about base rates and stamp duty, mm-hmm. and um, it's never the most interesting of subject. But let's just broaden it out a little bit, and 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 you know, tell me about yourself. What, where do you see your your business going? You know, what what is it about Lentune that that you think is unique, and and how you see yourself going forward? Um, well, I'm after world domination, really. No, no. <laughs> um, I think, to be honest, it's it's one of those scenarios where, um, as you know, my background used to be with lenders, working within lenders and working with brokers mm. to start off with. And as a result, I used to deal with brokerages of different sizes, some of them with a, just a one-man band and other ones who've got 10, 15 advisors upwards. And from my perspective i just always wanted it to be a business which for example was something that um i felt gave the right level of customer service to each client so by means of that what i what i kind of aimed to do with it was to say right there are brokers out there for example who go for high volume my feeling was i didn't want to go for high volume i wanted to go more for the experience for the client being more memorable Quality service. Quality of service, um, time given to them, as well as getting the job done right. Mm. And from from that perspective, I've always felt that to grow the business, I wanted to do it organically. And basically, in that respect, although running any business of any sort and starting it from scratch is always extremely risky, it's always a case of as well, of always not jumping ahead too soon in terms of growing it too quickly. Um, especially in relation to when we've been trading since 2009. So the environment that we started off in at that point harsh. was was harsh, mm. to be honest. Yeah. So it's it's a case of that our aim really is to grow, add more advisors over the next two to three years, but only as and when demand allows. Right. Um, a, measure, a measured growth rather than what you see. You see lots of people out there just throwing as many brokers at the wall as you possibly can in the hope that some of them stick you're looking for the quality over the quantity approach, yeah because I, yeah, yeah. I think overall otherwise it's going to be a case of the put probably eight or nine years into building something which is known and respected i hope hmm. um around my area and as a result of that i don't want to spoil that by for example bringing in extra people just for the sake of it it's got to be the right people yeah. And in that respect, that's why I would never set a figure on how many extra advisors I would want within a time period. Mm. Um, it's more a case of just saying, right, okay, which direction do we want to go in? And I think as well, it's a case of that you've got to balance out really your aims overall for a business, but also with as well, look at the environment around you, what's happening in the economy, um, what things and potential things, threats are there in the future, and really kind of planning for that mm. as early as you can. Mm. Do you think, I mean... <laughs> I heard this phrase uh, about a few months ago, actually, on another podcast about it being the age of the broker. Mm-hmm. Um, I read something that 80% of all uh, mortgage advice now comes from 
intermediaries, mm-hmm. mortgage brokers themselves, which I think is, is a massive uh, difference from what I remember in the old days. So we're clearly a dominant factor in, in the industry now. Is that, is, is that a good thing? Do you think that will stay? Do you think there will be a pushback from the lenders? Um, I think, to be honest now, I think the tipping point has been reached in terms of um, where lenders' focus has moved away from face-to-face contact. Mm. Are, we, are we at peak mortgage broker, is what I'm saying here, do you think? Are we, is, can we get more? Can we go to 85%? I think we can. Yeah? I think we can. I think the fight back that you're seeing now from some of the high street lenders is in relation to saying, right, okay, we're no longer going to have, I mean, it might, sounds really kind of ridiculous, like I'm kind of an old granddad, but in my day, back in the day, you would have had in any office, any branch of a high street bank, you would have at least two members of staff that could see a client, a borrower straight away off the street for a mortgage interview. Mm. Now you've got scenarios where you've got high street lenders who have one mortgage advisor who visits once every three weeks. Yeah, they've got they've got five branches to cover. Exactly, yeah. and you've got that, and then you've got another level, which is in relation to some lenders now who will do, they won't have an advisor in branch, but what they'll do is they have a screen in branch where you the borrower can sit in front of it and have a Skype interview. Now, that in itself, it's an interim thing, but that, that again, is is the way in which a lot of the lenders are looking at to try and solve the problem. But I mean, it's slightly different because we're, taint, we're, we're tainted by the industry because we, we work in it, so we have a different uh, attitude towards it mm-hmm. than maybe the consumer. But would you would you engage with that if you were a first-time buyer or if you were a father of, you know, two children and a wife and you had to you had to upsize to a, a much bigger mortgage mm-hmm. talking to a screen about what will be the biggest financial commitment you're ever likely to make is that something that you think would be a positive approach well i think i think overall it's going to be one of those situations where you've got people who are i think more technologically savvy now mm. and as a result most people's inquiries start online so, for example, now, you know yourself, when you get an inquiry from a new potential client, mm. they've done their groundwork. They've Googled you to start off with. Yeah. They've found out. Whether you, well, okay. But they'll find out whether you've got any decent reviews online, what the feedback has been, that sort of thing. Um, so they will have an idea in their minds, first of all, of, of what you may be like to deal with, mm. I think, to be honest. And that is what's very difficult now for a lot of potential borrowers. If they try and go and see their bank and they then said, well, we can't see you here, it's going to be somewhere else in two weeks' time. Mm. Uh, and I think from that perspective now, I think it only takes one experience themselves or one of their friends to tell them, oh, I used a broker, it was much simpler we did one meeting, provided X amount of documents, and then they got on with it and sorted it out for us. That's the key driver of the of the broker market, I think, at the moment. It's it's very much a case of um, as people realise the complexity now of actually applying. I think it's it's yeah, more of a we, broker market. <clears throat> there's lots of information out there, and you're right. I think people first the first thing they do is, is Google. Um, but I think once they've try to ascertain some information the next thing they'll do is ask a friend that i think when it comes to something emotive as getting a mortgage you can only get so much on i think online you can buy products okay and we've all done our buildings and contents and car insurance and booked a holiday online when you're talking about something like service which i think as a mortgage broker that's where we are yeah we are in the we are in the service industry um, and we call them clients whereas lenders might call them customers i mm-hmm. think there's a, a big differential in between the two i think that's where we, we we kind of win over because there is a lot of information out there and mm-hmm. as with most people the more information you have the harder it is to make a decision yeah you know if you've got too many options you don't know what to do if you've only got one option it's easy to make that decision i think that's when 
the 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 internet can throw it back to the human being mm -hmm. where you can play devil's advocate and one of my favorite things to do is to send a client direct to a lender yeah you know? so we'll go and have a chat with your own bank first and we'll still be here because mm -hmm. you will be back and they do come back because as you said two weeks to get an appointment um limited choice of products um if they're going to lend you x and you need to borrow y you've got to consider other alternatives um, so I think actually this that question's probably going to evolve on to, to what I wanted to talk about as well today was robo advice because mm -hmm. um, it's all pretty much interlinked, isn't it? Um, yeah. And you could say the Skype conversation in a branch is, is a form of robo advice or, or the, more of an etch-a-sketch model of it. But there are now lots of robo advisors, brokers mm -hmm. coming to the fore. Is that something that you see will, will, will encroach on our, our bread and butter business? Um, I think for certain types of clients, it will suit some more than others, to be honest. Um, I actually did a discussion piece on robo-advice about just over a year ago, actually. Mm. Um, and that was on a radio station. And with regards to that, they put me in direct contrast describing the traditional broker model. I actually remember listening to that. And I, by the way, you did win that debate. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. But it, it, it was a case of that I wasn't completely knocking out the idea out of the out of the park. I just think that it only suits certain scenarios, i.e. what's within the mortgage industry is called vanilla mortgage yes. cases where there is no quirks involved. Um, so in that respect... To give you an overview, that would then mean, for example, somebody with three years worth of accounts, for example, if they're self-employed. Um, also, no credit blips. Um, they've got plenty of money left over every month. And those would be the type of lenders that on an automated model, in terms of here's the right lender for you, will be more likely to get good service out of that model of advice in that mm. respect. Or because they're more likely to fit the the nature of most high street lenders, which is that they want what they call the vanilla lending. But what what percentage of your business is vanilla? I mean, I would suggest that ours is is if it's ten percent, I'd be very very surprised. There isn't there isn't an inquiry that comes across our desk that hasn't got some quirk or problem mm. attached to it. Be it a very very small default from two years ago that no one knew about, yeah, to uh, complex income um, or a quirky property. I mean, I just it just I'd love to have lots more vanilla business, but it's not out there anymore. I don't think. Well, I think I think the thing is with it is that what you've got is that you've got the scenario of that even if the background to the case is very vanilla, you've then got the scenario of the affordability check mm. and what tends to then move what appears to be very very let's call it clean in terms of there's no quirks at all throughout it, what can turn it from being that that lender on an automated system may say they can help, but when you go and do the affordability check, it fails on that. Mm. So there, although there is a lot of positive press about robo-advice as if it's a solution to a problem and everybody's wishes will be granted, the difficulty is, is that there are still those quirks within the lenders. It doesn't matter how unquirky the client is, if the lender's system basically says, right, okay, in this scenario, you're in a position where you can't borrow the amount you want, then you're back to square one. Yeah. That's not an instant solution. Yeah. And we, yeah, we have, we've had mortgages that on paper have been vanilla. And for those exact reasons that you said, they become non-vanilla as soon as it hits the lender's mm -hmm. system. Um, and that's where the broker then becomes, to, I think that's where we add value. Yeah. Because we do roll our sleeves up. Okay. And if we can't fix the problem with that first lender, well, at least we we are now aware of what the issue was, mm. and that will change our the advice process to take it on to to another lender. Yeah, I'm not too sure algorithms are quite up to speed 
with that approach yet. Yeah, I think I think the other thing with it as well is that when you look at the scenario of let's call, let's say robo advice, are we talking fully automated here, or are we talking what most brokers do, which is basically it's a mix and match. Hmm. So, for example, most brokers will start with a sourcing system, but they, they will then go through those, do all their calculations manually. Then they will contact the lenders directly to make sure the case fits because you can't rely on an automated system to give you all the answers. And the trouble is, if somebody is offering robo-advice, let's say, as it's classified, and then going to a lender based on their algorithm, as you say, then if that lender gets turned down having had a credit check done, you're then in the risk area of having too many credit checks done, which could, in theory, start to affect their credit score. becomes a vicious circle. It's not... It's in that respect, I'm not um, criticizing the the idea of it. What I'm saying is that it's not the answer to everything, mm. which is sometimes how the, the the industry press has has allowed it to be perceived that it's suddenly mortgages are broken. They're not broken. It's just a case of that there are scenarios in mortgage lending which you can't get away from, which means that you cannot automate all of that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, um, Stu. I think I think technology should be there to aid. The advice process mm. but not drive the advice process and i think there's a big distinction between the two we all need technology now in our lives to make things um smoother and quicker mm. and more efficient um but i don't think uh, we can hand over emotive decisions to 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 robots in mm. my opinion yeah i think this that's the thing it's an evolution of the mortgage market it's not revolution of the mortgage market that's the key is that kind of it's not going to solve everything in one foul swoop nor is it going to um for example cause major problems because it's going to suit some clients it really will yeah because there are some deals that just do not touch the sides at all no exactly. and that's ideal for, for for that kind of process exactly yeah so i mean in that respect it's not it's not a kind of a criticism of the of the system that has been put forward the only thing that I have a problem with is sometimes it's put forward as being a better solution to what ordinary brokers normally do day to day. And I think in that respect, that's where it's not it's perhaps not developed to that extent yet. But I think it will. There's an awful lot of money that's been thrown into into mm. that, that sector um, and people tend not to throw money away unless they think there's, there's going to be a return on that. So I think as brokers, we'd be stupid to ignore that. Mm, um, and use our own prejudice to assume that it's not going to have traction. I think we need to mm. be very, very aware of that going forward. But you're right. I think long term, it should be some sort of hybrid model yeah. where technology does a lot of the heavy lifting well, and, and the broker does all the counselling yeah, in the background. I, I think as well, to be honest, what it will do is that the kind of the, the advantage is really the people who are going to benefit out of this are going to be the clients mm. because it's going to make standard, let's say, standard brokers up their game and really kind of improve their service even further because mm. they're going to have to compete with the people who have got the big massive financial backing from hedge funds for example you know it's, yeah. it's going to have to be something that the mortgage industry and your standard brokers cannot assume this is a flash in the pan no it no, isn't going to go be away. here to stay absolutely well look um Stu, we've come to the end of our uh, episode two i think uh, so I yeah let's do news resolutions yeah what have you got what's yeah. your main one um i think to be honest it's a case of to leave the office more <laughs> Mine's to go to the office more. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that gives a good start to the new year. Either way, wouldn't it? To be honest, yeah, absolutely. And maybe maybe throw in a slight health drive. Yeah. Um, I was up in Rotherham recently um, with a business colleague, and I think I put four stone on in one evening. Um, and I'm getting to that age now whereby I can't afford to do that. So I think, as with most people, we'll start off the new year with with a clear business plan. Yeah. As to what we want to try and achieve, um, and and we'll support that with some personal development as 
well <laughs> along the way. And hopefully we'll get to the end of 2018. We'll do another podcast and review it, and hopefully we'll be uh, nice and skinny. Exactly. Back it up. Good Excellent. Happen. Right. Excellent. Well, as ever, Stu, thanks for your time. Hope people enjoyed listening in. No problem at all. Always, always, we always welcome your feedback. Please get in contact with us via Twitter. My handle is at mortgage underscore Stu. And mine is at London Money FS. And we look forward to hearing from you in due course. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Mortgage.